Um, I mean, since we've been married, we've uh, there's been a couple of um, sermons about tithing, and each time it made us reevaluate things um, on our end. And it was something that we only did, I would say, part time. And um, it was we heard a sermon probably in November about tithing, I think, and we started thinking about it. Matt and I, like even, we even got to the car and we were both looked at each other and we were like, we need to do this. We need to start tithing. And um, we really thought about it and we even prayed about it. And um, really like, we just felt the pull to, this is the next step spiritually that we needed to do. We knew that God would provide in ways that um, we, we couldn't even imagine. And, uh, Seeing money show up in places we didn't even know where it would show up would be, was amazing to see, even though it wasn't needed. It was just good to see that and knowing that we, we were even more convinced that God is always looking out for us and God is providing for us. And we, we both, I mean, we've been blessed to be able to have the jobs that we have and having the jobs that we have, we, we knew that we needed to give back our portion of what we make to God's work and to His His Word and putting it back into the community is something that we wanted to um, to together. So. All right. By a show of hands. How many of you know what a bait and switch is? Okay, for those of you who don't, defined. A bait and switch is a tactic in which a seller advertises a product with the intention of persuading customers to purchase a more expensive product. Car dealerships are known for this. It's actually where the the bait and switch started. Uh, Back in the olden days, you'd see an advertisement for a car in a newspaper Uh, For those of you under 30, a newspaper is (laughs) a sheet of paper that was used as a primary uh, medium of circulating news uh, back in the 1900s. (laughs) And in it, you would see this ad uh, that would promote a price uh, for a certain car, and that certain price was the bait uh, to get you to come into the dealership, and then you'd go into the dealership, and then, of course, that one car that was available at that price is no longer there, but there would be a car just like it, but slightly more expensive, and so um, that's the bait and switch. And there's, there's other forms of the bait and switch. Uh, maybe you've heard of this one uh, called online dating services. <laughs> this is where you see someone's profile, handsome, 28 years old, works at Gold's Gym as a trainer. Uh, Then there's this picture that kind of resembles like Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, so you could say that's the bait. And then you meet the person. Well, he's actually 38, a trainer at Kentucky Fried Chicken (laughs) who collects cats. (laughs) Or how about airline flights? Many of you are in the throes of planning your summer vacations, and uh, some of you have already found good deals on uh, airline tickets, maybe like a $99 plane ticket. Uh, And so that's the bait, 
But then all of a sudden there's, you know, $50 for luggage fees, uh, $40 if you want enough leg room to remove your knees from your throat, uh, $18 for a bag of pretzels, and uh, really the only thing that's free uh, is the complimentary massage you receive from TSA as you go through <laughs> security. That is a bait and switch. And for many of us, uh, you know, if we're honest, that's kind of the way we feel when we show up to church expecting to talk about and hear about uh, God at work in my life and end up hearing instead about the topic of money. And so if, uh, if you haven't already picked up from the video and where we're heading, uh, we are going to be looking at uh, the topic of money today in church. And I can tell, you are excited. <laughs> you have, uh, yeah, you have circled this date on your calendar. Uh, you've been waiting. It's the day you've been waiting for. And uh, I think those of you who brought guests, you are particularly thrilled today. Uh, as you said to yourself, man, I hope the one day that my friend, my coworker, my neighbor finally comes to church. I just hope it's the day that they talk about money in church. Well, you are welcome. <laughs> it all worked out for you. And so, in all, in all honesty, to pull back some of the layers of uh, sarcasm here, uh, I do want to give you some context as to what we're looking at today, as uh, we are actually in the middle of a vision uh, campaign uh, where we have been looking specifically at how God wants to work in us to empower others uh, outside of our church to reach others for Jesus Christ, to empower ministry among us to reach others for Jesus Christ, as well as to empower you uh, to reach others for Jesus Christ. Christ. And you'll notice in your program, uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, or even if you have, there's a, a card that looks like this. And on the one side, uh, you'll see uh, the three, these three initiatives I just brought up and a little bit more explanation on that. Uh, but just to highlight uh, a little bit more of what's going on in each of those. Uh, the first part of Empower in this initiative is this idea that we are going to empower others. And we're going to do that by literally giving away the first 10% of every dollar raised to uh, some through things outside of First Christian Church, other churches, other organizations, other initiatives and endeavors, simply to bless our community. Uh, that uh, you could say in a world where all too often Christians are most recognized, unfortunately, for what they're against. Uh, we wanted to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are for you. That we are for our community. That we want to bless our community. We want to express to them that God created them in his image. We want to say to our community that God loves you, that he wants a relationship with you. And thus, we as his church are going to reflect that by showing our love for you and blessing you in this way. And so... Uh, we plan to express that with the first 10% we receive, but we haven't yet uh, discerned exactly how it is uh, we're going to do that. And so we've been leaning into uh, one another and into you as a congregation to give us ideas as to how you think it would be um, a blessing to our community to bless our community in this way. And so we've received uh, lots of great ideas even this past week, and uh, we'd love to hear more. Uh, at, and the way you can do that is you can submit those ideas to empower at firstdecatur.org, email those there, or uh, if it's easier for you to call the church office um, and tell us that way, that would be cool too. And so, um, again, just ways that we can bless our community. And then uh, the elders and pastors are uh, at the annual leadership retreat here at the early summer going to 
prayerfully discern, okay, what is God calling us uh, to do with that first 10%? So that's the first 10%. And then from there, uh, the next initiative, we are excited, uh, you know, you could say as excited as we are to give away that first 10%, we also believe uh, wholeheartedly that the church, generally speaking, is ultimately the hope of the world, uh, that Jesus Christ chose to use the church to be the hope of the world, to be the hope of our community. And so uh, we have seen God at work among us already in this in several um, uh, ministries and missions and initiatives. And so we're going to use the next 10% uh, to further that ministry work to a greater degree uh, in our community and around the world by furthering our ministry in uh, Club 305, our after-school program with uh, Parsons Elementary, uh, Adopt-A-Block, Arts Academy, uh, increasing our chaplaincy ministry in the community uh, as well as increased work uh, globally in our, in our um, places that we're already at work in Kenya and Cuba. And then from there, the next 80% or the remaining 80% will go towards ministry facilities. As uh, we wrap up the current expansion of the family uh, ministry wing, and if you haven't got a chance to look at that, we'd invite you to go wander down uh, just to the left as you exit here to see the progress there, uh, as well as uh, completing the new um, student center and second worship venue that we're going to be using um, in the days ahead. And um, it was interesting, actually, as we were you could say aiming to clarify what it is that these resources were for uh, in a leadership setting, someone trying to bring understanding to it basically said this. Uh, so essentially what we have here is you know, 10 and 10, 20% missions and 80% uh, is for us. Uh, to which we had to quickly um, clarify that really the 80% is really not for us. In that if it was, um, then we'd have to use that 80% to make, uh, as Wayne kind of said last week, joking, you know, we could make the pads in the pews pattier. Um, in that, uh, I don't think that's a word, but just this idea that really there's already a space for everyone who's already in this space. But that every brick that's being laid both now and in the future is not for us who are already having a spot here, but for those who aren't yet here. Uh, for reaching our community, for, uh, as Pastor Wayne said in the State of the Church sermon at the beginning of the year, that it's all about mission. It's all about reaching the faces um, who aren't yet in, but will be, in future baptism videos. And so, really, even though this 10%, 10%, 80% breakdown is how it all uh, works out, really, it's 100% mission. 100% about reaching our community, about reaching your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers for Jesus Christ. And so uh, the way in which we aim to accomplish that, what we're looking at in the totality, um, is an operational goal, financially speaking, if you will, of $1 million. Uh, this will move us appropriately forward in the vision that God has laid out for us. Uh, but with that, we have a miracle goal of 3.5 million, which would allow us to give away the uh, first 20%, 10 and 10, uh, $700,000. And then the remaining 2.8 million would put us in a position to be completely mortgage-free at the end of 18 months, positioning us to move into phase two of the vision of building a new uh, sanctuary for the, again, for reaching those in our community who aren't yet a part of the life of a church. Okay, and so that's, that's the first two categorically big initiatives. And then thirdly, uh, after empowering others and empowering ministry is thirdly, empowering you. Empowering you, that uh, this is the part of the initiative where you could say money alone can never go. 
that God chooses to use us uh, and wants to work in you and work in us as a church uh, to be empowered uh, to reach our community, uh, to have the tools and the opportunities to do so. Uh, that we might accomplish, as it says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, that we might be able uh, to put into our day-to-day life this verse, this reality, that we would, quote, be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders, those who are outside of the faith, which I like to paraphrase that first line of be wise as basically, don't be creepy. Don't be creepy in the way that you share your faith and and, and exemplify that, but uh, be wise in the way that you act toward those outside of the faith by making sure, A, you make the most of every one of those opportunities and do so by letting your conversations be full of grace, uh, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer uh, or respond to everyone. And so we want to empower you, give you the tools and the opportunities uh, over the next 18 months uh, to uh, be wise in the way that you're able to uh, connect with those outside of the faith and outside of Jesus' church uh, in the days ahead. And so that is, uh, you could say, the layout of where God is calling us over the next 18 months uh, and really beyond that uh, as a church. And, you know, it's interesting, even as I joked about it earlier, uh, you know, about joking about being, you know, awkward if you're a guest, uh, in all honesty, this isn't awkward for us. In fact, I would go as far as to say, if you are a guest, this is actually an awesome weekend for you to be here and to actually hear what it is that we're about as a church, as we are a church that's about being for our community and for our world uh, in the name and by the power, being empowered by Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to all this, uh, we do recognize that a big part of accomplishing all that God has called us to do is the resources to make that happen, what God is calling us to pull together to accomplish what he's called us to do. And so we do want to talk specifically today about, uh, you could say, the money side of it. Uh, And so rather than just say, you know, okay, would you please give to what uh, we're doing as a church, really wanted to take a step back today. Uh, That regardless of a campaign or anything like that, what does God have to say about this topic of of money and, uh, again, this understanding that when it comes to giving, how can we look at this? Uh, in a way that's godly, in a way that's helpful to growing your faith, just like any other topic we look at, whether prayer or scripture or uh, doing group life together um, or, or whatever the case may be, that it's all about helping us become more devoted followers of Jesus Christ. How can giving be a part of that holistically in a godly and healthy way? And so our primary passage uh, for accomplishing this uh, this morning is gonna come out of 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Eight. And so if you have a Bible with you and you want to turn there, you can do so. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew rack in front of you you can use. And if um, you don't want to do any of that, I went ahead and put it on the screen too. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And here we have the Apostle Paul. He is actually writing to a church about the topic of giving. And thus we are a church and thus we are recipients of this same instruction where Paul says this. He says, remember this. Be reminded of this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that God, he is able to bless you abundantly 
so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will then abound in every good work. And so that's the goal. This passage is the goal, that when it comes to giving, we want to, uh, whenever we give, whatever we have decided in our heart to give, we want to be able to do so, obviously, cheerfully. We want to be a good thing, a blessing, rather than uh, the sense of reluctance or compulsion or guilt or anything like that. And uh, as I was reflecting on this, I realized when, in my life, when compulsion or reluctance or this kind of ick factor came into it, uh, for me, and I, and I, and I, for, I assume for you as well, that uh, when there is, you could say, a gap, when there is a gap in the understanding as to why we give and the actual act of giving, when there's a space and a gap between that, that understanding, well, then that is when reluctance and compulsion and that ick factor is a result. However, when we can grow in that understanding, we can bridge that gap, when we can grow in faith as it relates to our understanding as to why we give and the act of giving, it's there that cheer, or depending on your translation, joy. Joyful giving is then the result. And so we want to commit the remainder of our time together really to closing that gap. We want to close the gap in our understanding and our faith uh, as to when it comes to being able to give and thus do so cheerfully and joyfully. And so when it comes to this topic of money, and we look at this here in church, it's interesting to me that it's a topic that really outside of this room, we're pretty comfortable talking about. Um, you know, we read books and there's, you know, have magazine or subscriptions to things about money. Um, there's movies and songs about money. Uh, we talk about money in our homes, about what we're going to spend money on and budgets and stuff like that. And certainly in your places of work, there's many meetings um, around the topic of money, and that would be expected, and that's just a part of life. However, when it comes to church, when it comes to the topic of money in church, uh, we get, many of us, uncomfortable. Uh, and I believe a fundamental reason for this discomfort, uh, and the reason it takes place when it comes to the topic of money in church, actually has nothing to do with money at all that the reason we get uncomfortable with this topic actually has nothing to do with money, but everything to do with our understanding and our movement and growth towards what it is to actually be a Christian, uh, what it means to uh, live in the Christian faith. And so I'll explain it and illustrate it this way uh, by this um, you know, dresser I have here uh, on stage. You might be wondering what it's all about. And let's say that this dresser, this chest of drawers, represents your life that this dresser is your life, and that each of these drawers represent different areas of your life. And so you could say, you know, you have the, the relationship drawer, and you have the health drawer, and you have uh, the entertainment drawer, and you have the work drawer, and you have the money drawer, and you have, say, the faith drawer as well. That we have all these different categories, all these different drawers that make up our life. And so Within that, um, when you come to church and the preacher opens up the faith drawer, well, that's okay because you expect to talk about these things at church. You know, in fact, if you want to talk, you know, if you want to rummage around in the faith drawer a little bit, you know, I'm okay with that because that makes sense. We're at church, we talk about faith, and so that's where it belongs. However, if the preacher tries to open up the money drawer, well, there's a good chance he's gonna get his finger slammed because that is a different category. That's a different compartment 
all together. And see, what we need to recognize is that any time we start to compartmentalize our faith, uh, aside from the other compartments of life, that we really then are no longer talking about the Christian faith. Because if you can think back and think into what it is you even signed on for, that you said, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life, really what we're saying is, Jesus, you, we don't want you to be just a drawer in the dresser, but if you're the Lord of my life, well, then you're the Lord over all of my dresser drawers. So essentially, Jesus and our faith is not meant to be a drawer, but instead, Jesus and our faith is actually the dresser itself, of which we do want him to be the Lord over because we believe in his loving and wanting our, his best for us, that he has what's best for us in every area of our life. We believe that he has what's best for us in our relationship drawer, in our work drawer, in our family drawer, in our entertainment drawer, and of course, also, we wanna believe that he has what's best for us in the money drawer as well that we want him to be the dresser, the Lord of all, not just a part, but our actual way of life. And so based on this, and based on the topic that we're looking at today, how does the Lord want to lead us, not just holistically, but also specifically when it comes to the money drawer? And so first thing we have to recognize when it comes to the money drawer, and frankly, all of the dresser drawers of our life, is that number one, is all God's in the first place. That God, uh, everything belongs to him to begin with. It says in Psalm 24 and, uh, and 1 Corinthians 10, 26, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, all of our life's drawers, including the money drawer. And so we recognize then that every dollar we receive is ultimately a gift from and a blessing of God. And then secondly, uh, we might think, okay, within that drawer, okay, God's really only concerned with a percentage of that drawer. Uh, you know, you might say 10%, which we'll look at here in a second. Uh, but really, that's not accurate either. If God is the Lord of all, he's actually uh, the Lord over not just a percentage, but he wants to be the Lord over 100% of that which he's blessed you with. And the scripture talks a lot about not just giving, but about money holistically. It talks about how we should approach giving, uh, spending, saving, debt, uh, and all these things. And so um, 100% uh, that God, of what God has given us, he wants us to, he says, steward well, to be good stewards of that, to take care of our families and, um, and lives and everything in between. And then thirdly, recognizing that he is the Lord over all of our resources, 100%, because it's all from him in the first place. Thirdly, there is a part of that where he says, I do want you to be generous. I want you to give back. Um, and so when it comes to this topic of giving, uh, before we talk about what we give, we actually have to start with what God gave us. We have to start with the Lord and that really our God is, he is a giver. In fact, if you, I would say if you could sum up the Bible in just two words, you could accurately sum up the Bible, God gave. You could sum it up in a two-word sentence, a subject and a verb. God is the subject, his giving is the verb that God gave Arguably the most well-known verse of all time, John 3.16, says it this way, that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever places their faith in him shall not perish but be given a new life, a new life both here on earth that lasts all for eternity. 
And so we could sum up all scripture in that, and God gave. Or you might say, you know, wouldn't you sum it up, God loves, which I would agree, you could do that all the same. But really, even in God loves, we see here in this passage that that love is displayed functionally in his giving. That God gave his one and only son, that his one and only son gave his life on the cross, that we might be given a new life in him. And so thus, if he is the Lord, if this great giver, this great God uh, of ours um, is the Lord of our lives, then we follow this great giver by being givers as well. That to follow Jesus Christ means to be a giver. And not just financially, but in all areas of life, because that's what we signed on to. We said, God, I give you my life. I give you my love. I give you my obedience. I give you every dresser drawer in my life. And so, yes, it includes money, but it is much, much bigger than that because we give God everything. And so when it comes to this, God and his word, when it comes to giving back to what he's already given us, this is what he has to say uh, when it comes to giving back more accurately than even really giving to God. So in scripture, what you will find in every case where there is a gift given, uh, it falls under one of three levels, you could say. Um, Tithing, offerings, and extravagant offerings. That every time there is a gift given, it falls under one of these three categories. And so I first wanna talk a little bit about the tithing one, to which um, if you're not, if you didn't grow up in church like I did, like that word, it's like, I'm reading, it's like a, a tithe. A tithe is like, do I have a lisp? I don't understand what this is. <laughs> a tithe uh, literally means a tenth. A tithe is a tenth. That God instructs us that out of the 100% that he has blessed us with, we are to give back in worship and in trust uh, for him uh, and in partnership for furthering his kingdom. We're to give back 10%. And we see that in scripture, God establishes the tithe as the foundational approach to giving. Uh, we find this direct command uh, to tithe in Leviticus 27.30, Proverbs 3.9 through 10, Malachi 3.6 through 10. And then we see in the New Testament, Jesus reaffirms uh, the tithe and the giving of the tithe in Matthew 6.19 through 24. And so we could look at all of these, but I, want, I just want to take a moment to look at uh, the Malachi passage, um, which says it this way, to uh, a group of people who had, who had forgone giving the tithe, they had stopped giving the tithe, uh, through the prophet, God says to his people, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. He's, in, he's commanding them to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, notice, interestingly enough, that the word there is not give, but bring, as in bring back. Uh, to illustrate this, um, for my birthday two years ago, I received a pressure washer uh, from my in-laws. And uh, just a heads up, if you're not popular with your neighbors, I have learned that having a pressure washer suddenly makes you very popular in the neighborhood. And so I've had several neighbors borrow it over the years. And uh, say, for instance, that my neighbor were to bring back that pressure washer after using it for the day and to walk into my doorstep and say, hey, Brian, I just want you to, I just want to give you this brand new pressure washer. I'd be like, you've been standing too close to those fumes. Uh, you're, not, you're not giving me this. You're, you're bringing back to me that which I gave you in the first place. And so really, when we understand that everything comes from God, that we understand that really what we have the opportunity is not to give, but really we're bringing back a portion of what God has blessed us with in the first place. And so um, to further this understanding a little bit more, I want to demonstrate it this way. And to do so, I'm going to need uh, a volunteer. 
And uh, Ryan, would you volunteer? Ryan, would you volunteer for me? It's called voluntold, I think, but that's all right. All right, come here, Ryan. I promise. Okay, all right, let's hear for Ryan for voluntolding. High five. Okay. All right, Ryan, stand over here. All right, Ryan, I have something I want to give you. Is that cool? Sure. Okay. It's not a noogie, okay? So that's good. <laughs> All right. I have here, actually in my money drawer, uh, $100, okay? Um, and for those... <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. And so, for those of you who are worried, this is, you know, my money, not the church. I got my, but it's not really mine. It's all God's anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, so I have here $100 um, in tens that I want to give you. Is that cool? Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. You ready? Here we go. Put your little hand out there. Okay. I'm going to go like this so you can catch it all. All right. 10, 20, 30. I want to make sure, like, at the bank, they count it right. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Okay. You can close your hand because I, I, this isn't like, I'm not going like, to get it back at the end of service. You, this is yours to keep. Is that cool? Okay, awesome. <laughs> All right. I have with that, though, only one simple request. Would you mind giving me back just 10 of those dollars? <laughs> Can I have just 10 out of the 100? Would that be okay? Okay. All right. Let's hear it one more time for Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Okay. So in this scenario, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who comes back to the 1050 with hands raised <laughs> and volunteering. So in this scenario, would you say, was I or was I not generous? You see, when we recognize that God is the one who gave it all to us in the first place, it's not that all of a sudden I have to, I have to give 10% back. It's like, oh, cool, I get to keep the other 90? Because we recognize a paradigm shift in where things, and I, and I love the way that, um, that Matt even put it in the video, that when we recognize that this is a blessing from God or the jobs that we have is a blessing from God, it's when we mistaken this for only our hard work rather than the blessings of God that we get this backwards in our lives. And so I love the way that Malachi goes on to explain how this works. Um, go ahead and next slide there. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so for us, this is talking about the church, the spiritual house, the place where you are spiritually fed. Bring the whole 10% back into my house. And God says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And what's interesting is this is the only part in all of scripture where you ever see those words for God actually to invite us to test him in this. Uh, and I believe because he knows what a challenge it is for us to step forward in that area of faith. So he actually goes out on that limb to say, test me, try me, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so that's God's invitation. That for every dollar he gives us, he's asking for a dime in return. The math is that simple. 
And so as we do that, we recognize that if we test God in this, if we test him at his invitation, uh, it's really a step of faith to say, okay, God, I believe in functional faith that you are gonna do more, you're gonna bless me more with 90% of my income blessed by you than I could on my own with 100%. That's what tithing is. And so I would say if you have never stepped into that step of faith of tithing, the Empower Vision uh, campaign is that opportunity for you to step into tithing, uh, to take a tithing test, to test God in this, a tithing challenge over the next 18 months and take him at his invitation and see the blessings that will be overflowed as a result of it. Um, and those blessings, I wish we had more time to spend on these, uh, but those uh, blessings include, first off, just that, uh, that Second Corinthians passage, the experience of the blessing of becoming a joyful and cheerful giver, uh, recognizing that when we step into that, um, we are able to give cheerfully, that the Lord blesses us with that opportunity, that we realize it is more blessed to give than to receive, as Jesus said. From there, uh, part of that cheer and that joy is just this new, renewed perspective on the role of what money is and what money isn't. Um, and, you know, if, if you're a worrier about money, I am, I am the chief of sinners now. I worry about it. I stress I'm all the time. But as the Lord has taught me and as I trust he's taught many of you and maybe some of you yet to teach in the future, Jesus reveals that the number one competitor in our hearts for his lordship is always money. He says you cannot serve both God and money, and we recognize this because it's hard to put our trust in God when we really want to put our trust in our resources. And so that curse is broken of trusting in that and being burdened by that when we have this new perspective of really trusting God in a very tangible way. And then lastly, frankly, um, what come are the financial blessings. The financial blessings, the bottom line that God chooses to, as a result of our trust in him, bless us in ways that we had not planned on. Matt kind of alluded to that in the video. I've heard several stories in the life of our congregation when people have stepped into tithing, how things and resources and the bottom line showed up in ways that didn't make sense. Uh, even last night, um, we had a young man by the name of Tyler, a college student who got the $90 and um, came up afterwards and said, you know, this is just crazy how God works because um, he's a college student, by, so like categorically broke. And he, uh, uh, this past week, um, had a person with a need and he felt the need to give him like five bucks. He prayed with them, then felt the need to give him 20 bucks, which to him was a really big deal. And he really said, okay, God, you're going to provide uh, for me. And then just very cool that a few days later, he walks out of church uh, with 90. And so small example, but of the many ways in which God shows that he is the one who we can trust, that that's who our trust is in, not in money or any other thing in this world. And so I'd invite you to step into the blessings that God has for you by testing him in this. And again, Empower might be a great opportunity for you to step into that if you haven't already, okay? And so that's the first level of, of giving that we see laid out in scripture. From there, we see uh, people uh, giving beyond the tithe, offerings and extravagant offerings. And so these are gifts above and beyond the tithe. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, extravagant offerings in scripture. Uh, we see in First Chronicles that uh, King David, he gave the equivalent of 21 billion to the building of the temple, which, I don't know, that's not bad even for a king, I'd say. Um, then in the same right, though, in Mark chapter 12, we witness a scene where a widow gives two small copper coins to which Jesus gathers his disciples and said, look, she has given more than everyone else because she has given everything she has. 
And then one more example, John chapter 12, uh, Mary Magdalene um, busts into a scene where she blesses and anoints Jesus with this very expensive perfume, says it was uh, worth a year's wages uh, to anoint Jesus before his death and burial. And uh, she does it as an act of worship, which again, let me remind you, when it comes to giving, it comes to money, it is never about money. It is always about worship, about who we actually functionally put our trust in. And so when it comes to gifts, I think we would agree, a year's wages um, is what this was said to be worth, is an extravagant gift. And so we won't spend a lot of time on these second two because here's the truth I've discovered. Those of you who've reached that first level of giving, of tithing, uh, then very quickly reach the second and even the third. Uh, Because the second level comes very quickly after the curse of holding on to and serving our money over God is broken. We're broken free from that and the blessings that we experience in all those different areas as we mentioned easily pave the way to future generosity and a new attitude towards giving. And then from there, the third level of extravagant offerings we'd say for you. Maybe you have been waiting on an opportunity that um, you're waiting on God to lead you that you have been able um, to maybe step into giving in a big way. And uh, the Empower Vision campaign might be that opportunity that God has uh, been paving the way for you to give in an extravagant way. And so this is what we're looking to do um, when it comes to what we're gonna be doing in the the next weekend. Uh, Next weekend, or I should say really over this next week, we are asking everyone, We're asking every person to get involved to prayerfully do basically exactly what it says in 2 Corinthians 9-7, to simply pray about, to ask God to say, okay, God, what are you leading me or leading us, if uh, if that's your context with a relationship with another or your family, um, what are you leading me or us to give back to empower others, to empower ministry, and to empower one another uh, for your work here on earth, God? And to pray about that, uh, to talk about that uh, with your family, uh, we're applicable. And from there, decide. Decide in your heart what it is that God is leading you to give. Um, and to come back on May 2nd and 3rd, which is a week from today, where we have a special celebration service uh, that we will actually, again, accomplish what it says here in 2 Corinthians, uh, where it says, each of you should give. And you should give what you have already decided in your heart, what you have prayed about, what you've discussed, what you've decided, so that you're not showing up um, you know, with oh, reluctance and compulsion, or I need to, um, and, and be able to step into being a cheerful giver next weekend because you have done these things that God has encouraged you to do, to decide ahead of time. And so uh, to help you do that, this next week in the mail, you're gonna receive actually another copy of this letter. Uh, and uh, you see a picture of a card and an envelope. You'll get the physical card and envelope in the mail this week as well as we'll have them here next weekend as well where we're asking everyone uh, to get engaged over the next 18 months uh, to prayerfully decide in your heart what it is you're gonna give over a monthly basis over the next 18 months as we want everyone to stay engaged over the next 18 months. We want to stay engaged with God's vision for our church in prayer financially, as well as, again, empowering you personally as to we want to get you engaged in taking next steps and being wise toward reaching those outside of the faith. And so we're asking everyone um, to do that. But also, with that, um, we're asking everyone to give a one-time gift at the beginning of the campaign next weekend to really jumpstart the vision for what God wants us to do uh, from day one. And so we'll receive those uh, commitments and those cards and those gifts uh, at a special offering next weekend, May 2nd and 3rd, in this special celebration service that we're going to be looking at all the things that God's been doing with us. Okay? So that'll be next weekend. And uh, that concludes, you could say, the money talk for the day. 
And so with that, um, I do want to close by just reading you um, a letter. Uh, I want to read you a letter that I received uh, from a pastor friend of mine uh, who uh, is part of a group I'm with that uh, actually looks at how churches are being creative and innovative and being wise toward outsiders and reaching their communities uh, in new and unique ways. And uh, in this group that I'm with, um, they actually, it's a church very similar to ours. They're down in North Carolina uh, in that they are, they're being intentional about reaching their community. Um, they too are actually in the middle of a vision campaign to help pull off that vision and mission. And then also like us, uh, interestingly, as we were talking, they too have had many vision capital campaigns over the years uh, in the life of their church, to which uh, if you've been around here uh, for any length of time, you know we've had not quite back-to-back, but almost, over the last 20 years, almost, with little breaks in between, almost back-to-back vision campaigns uh, and capital campaigns over the course of these 20 years. And, um, you know, in all honesty, it's something that, if you've been around, you can grow weary of. Um, And I work here, and I can grow weary of them. And uh, anyway, so as we were talking, uh, he shared with me uh, this letter that he shared with his congregation that I want to share, that he encouraged me to share with you as well. And so this letter, um, it comes from a lady in the church who overheard some of the people grumbling about yet another campaign and, and could tell, could sense that Pastor Ray was uh, weary in the midst of it all. And so she gave him this letter. It says this, Dear Pastor Ray, I know people are complaining about you and the number of building campaigns we've had in the past, uh, but I want to share this with you. When we were early in our marriage, we tried to have children. We went to doctors and specialists, and well, we couldn't get pregnant. So we finally just prayed and asked God if it's his will, and we trusted him. Well, a few years later, we had a beautiful little girl. Since that little girl came into the world, we've had to buy diapers, formula, and baby food, and later she needed clothes and a swing set, then a tricycle, then a bicycle. And then when she turned 16 years of age, can you believe she actually wanted a car? So we came up with a couple of thousand dollars to buy her a good used car that we hoped would last her through college. Sure enough, she got accepted into college. Uh, We had to spend thousands of dollars more to help her get through college. Then she graduated and had to have a down payment on an apartment, so we helped her with that. Uh, She got a job and started working full time. And for the next two years, we helped her out here and there as she got established in her new career. Then two years after she graduated from college, we got a knock on the door. An officer informed us that our daughter had been killed in an automobile accident. Pastor, since our daughter has passed away, we haven't had to spend any money on her. We only spent money on our daughter when she was alive. Pastor, people don't have to spend money on dead churches. It's only when churches are alive, when churches are witnessing change and transformation in the lives of others, that's when a church has to spend money. Our daughter came to know Jesus Christ through this church. And we'll see her one day in heaven because this church is alive. And we've come to affirm our faith here as well. Pastor Ray, I just want you to know, don't apologize for raising money. Don't apologize for reaching people for Christ. 
we will see our daughter in heaven one day because this church is alive. And so I get it. Um, in fact, I was feeling that pinch, that, that weariness, um, but was both convicted and encouraged by being reminded that we are alive because Jesus Christ lives in us. And so with that, we have the gift of even as we give, uh, being thankful of all that he has given to us. And so with that, um, would you allow me to pray for you, pray for me, pray for us, um, as to how God wants to continue to move us forward uh, as his church so we'd be alive in him. Let's pray. Father, forgive me. <laughs> you know, even that I would have just um, an ounce of reluctance myself to talk about this when I recognize, um, again, the gift that you have given us in giving us your son who gave his life, who gave us the gift of eternal life, that you are the great giver, and thus we have the privilege to be a part of your work here on earth, to give back and to share this message of what you wanna to give to lives who don't yet know you in our community. And so God, I would ask for each of us in this room that, uh, that in seven days from now that we would not show up with guilt or reluctance or compulsion or any of that stuff that you said we are not to give with but by the grace of your Holy Spirit um, and the privilege to be a part of what you are doing, to be alive in you and to be a church that's alive, may we discover what it is you've called each of us to give, whether it's stepping into tithing or an offering uh, in some of the way beyond that, that we can be a part of giving as you have given us so much. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit's guidance in this, that we would be able to give cheerfully and joyfully as a result. That's the goal that we become more devoted followers of you in that way. We ask it all in Jesus' name, uh, amen.